0: Father, we thank you so much for your presence here right now. You promised us that when we gather like this, that you would be in the midst of us. And I pray, Lord, that we will tune into you and your voice, that we'd have hearts that are open this morning to hear from you. And Lord, in all of our ways and all of the things that we struggle with in our humanity, Lord, we just pray that you'll speak to our hearts and change us and transform us to look more like you. So we give you all the glory for everything that happens here today. Father be with Buddy as he continues to bring a message that you've placed on his heart as we walk through life together. We love you, we praise you, we lift you up. We give you all the glory. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, it's a good time to check in on social media that always lets people know that church is a good place to be. You know, as much as people may say that it's not relevant for their life, it is one way that God designed for us to grow. And so you see the value of that. Maybe you can influence someone else to see the value in that as well. So go ahead and check into uh, any platform that you use in your social media, and uh, we would appreciate that. If you're a first-time guest with us today, I saw our little... Gifts going out in the last service. There's a little table out there that says first time guests. We want to give you a little uh, jar of some goody stuff, whatever it is. I wanted one myself, but I'm not a first time guest. So if you are, just stop out there. You can get information about Salem Fields. We would love uh, to give you more information about that. There's a connection card in your program, and that's used to communicate with us and to update any information that you have that you can give us. And we just want you to know everything that's going on around here. And that communication that connection card helps our communication with one another. We're going to take our ties and offering in just a few moments at the next song, and the baskets will go by, and then you stand and praise and. Uh, there's a variety of ways that you can give if you haven't discovered that yet. Just talk to somebody that does tithe. I think people that tithe are excited about talking about what God, what it means and what what God does in your life when you put him first in everything, especially your finances. And uh, I could go on and on about how uh, God has provided every need that I've ever had because we chose to do that a long time ago. so, There are the ways that you can do that. You can go on the app. You can go out to the kiosk. And uh, I just hope that you've discovered the joy of giving. Well, we've got some fun things coming up because the holiday season is coming up. And I'm one of those people that don't like to do Christmas before Thanksgiving. I like to get Thanksgiving and give thanks and do that whole thing. But this year, Thanksgiving is kind of late and uh, it kind of, we had some issues there about the timing to get the place decorated. So the trees are going to be arriving tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. I think they're coming from North Carolina, so they'll be on the road all night, I think. And uh, we, right here are the times that you can come throughout this week. If you could volunteer, if you could give a little bit of your time. Hey, you never know when you decorate if somebody new comes into this place and accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that may be a person in heaven one day that comes to you and say, Hey, you gave an hour to decorate at Salem Fields Community Church, and I'm in heaven because one day I walked it. You guys get what I'm saying? Yeah, that's how, that's how you carry out the vision of what happens here and who would guess that you could do that through decorating. Well, that's going to be happening all week. I would encourage you to be a part of that. We've got a prayer time coming up that I think is going to be really awesome. It's going to be out at the fire pit from seven to 10. You can get all smelled up and smoky. (laughs) and it won't come out of your hair for weeks. That's how it works for me. I can wash and wash and wash, and I still smell it. But you know what will happen if we do that? I'll wash it maybe on the fourth day and say, hey, I still smell that fire pit smell, and I'm going to pray for Salem Fields Community Church and for people. And so that's not such a bad thing. I think it will be really awesome. You know, I'm a cold kind of person, I had my top down the other day, and I happened to look, and it was 25 degrees. (laughs) And I loved it. All I have to do is put a scarf on, and I'm there. So out by the fire pit, I think it'll be pretty awesome. Okay, and then uh, we're going to do something a little bit different this year called Christmas lighting. You remember in that, uh, (laughs) what is it, Jody? National Lampoon's Christmas vacation. Yeah, you know that. Remember when they went to plug in the lights and nothing happened? Well, we're going to have this whole place lit up, but... On that evening, on the 23rd, we're going to put the plugs together, and everything is going to come alive with Christmas lighting. And so that's going to be after the Saturday evening service. I would encourage you to come to that. I think it will be really fun, and I think it would be kind of funny too if we plugged it in and nothing happened, right? <laughs> so come just to see whether that happens or not. Okay, we've got revival coming up, and this is opportunity for you to grow spiritually. Do you guys remember Susie? She is an evangelist, and uh, she travels the country. She has traveled the world, and uh, she's always fun to listen to. But, boy, does she love, she tells me all the time, she's a good friend of mine. She says, I love breaking open the Word of God and sharing that with people. That's what she is all about. She's single, and that's what she spends all of her life doing is breaking the Word of God and, and uh, feeding it to other people so that they can grow closer And so, Revival, we ask you to just mark off all of those dates. Every single one of those uh, services will be a different message. Uh, We're going to have something for the ladies on Saturday morning. And we're going to go all the way through uh, Sunday evening. Sunday evening, everybody will be back here again. So, mark that off. Come and uh, be prepared for God to do something really, really special in your life. We're going to continue to worship.
1: The sound of the Saviour's rope as he walks into the room where people pray, where we hear praises, he hears faith. There is a sound I love to hear the sound of the Savior's roof as he walks into the room where people pray. Sin is praise, the oh love. Sin is praise. Sing His praise aloud Oh, my soul and sing Sing His praise aloud Sing His praise aloud
2: And when we worship Him, we invite His presence so just as that song says that, it, just imagine when we praise him, him walking right into this room because his presence does just that. When we praise him, the word says he inhabits the praises of his people. So his presence is him in this room. And when we are in his presence, that's where life change happens. That's where healing happens. That's where revelation happens. That's where restoration happens. And so every time we lift up his name, every time that that we sing the words to these songs, we're inviting His presence. We're inviting Jesus and giving Him permission to do what only He can do in and through our lives. You know, worship truly is our weapon to refute the lies of the enemy or to refute these things that we are just constantly believing about ourselves or, or the fear that tries to cripple us. But the reality is Jesus meets us right where we're at Whether you find yourself uh, at the lowest of lows and you feel like you're wandering or whether you feel like you're in the highest of highs, he meets us in both places. Because he's a faithful God, and he is always wanting to just move in our lives. And the greatest thing is he doesn't want to leave us in either place. He's constantly calling us to more. He's constantly calling us to a deeper place with him, a deeper knowledge of who he is, a greater faith, a greater understanding. And so let's take this time and let's appreciate these moments. And so wherever you find yourself, just as you are, Jesus will meet you there, just as you are. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to pick yourself up. All you have to do is lift up his name and say, Jesus, I need you and he will meet you and he will speak and he will move. So let's let's worship him from that place. Let's pray from that place here this morning. And let's just invite him, invite his presence Because it's in his presence that amazing things happen.
1: stay one the sun-
2: truth Father that it would just disappear because you were so faithful you're so good God And I feel like you're calling us to that truth this morning for us to understand who we are as sons and daughters of you how much you love and adore each and every single one of us how much you have a plan and a purpose for each and every single one of us so Jesus I just pray that you would sweep through this room mend hearts God, mend lives. Just stir us, God, to a greater faith and a greater relationship with you. Be with Pastor Buddies. He delivers this message, God. God, let us take it to heart. Let us respond. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Well, the Spirit of the Lord is certainly here this morning. Anyway, glad you're here. Brian, you did an incredible job last week. Yeah, Veterans Day, honoring the veterans was an incredible service. If you missed that, uh, you missed something really special. And I appreciate all the work that went into that. I've been out, but I did sneak in for that service. Last Sunday at 11, and I appreciate all the hard work that Jason and his team, they did an excellent job, and the message was spot on, man. You missed your call, maybe, you know? <laughs> anyway, y'all here, you okay? Just a few of you are okay? <laughs> okay, well, maybe the message will help out a little bit, and you'll be better. I read a story this week about two brothers who just terrorized this small town, and they were corrupt and unethical, and they just messed up that, that small town because they had a stranglehold on the people and uh, no one was willing to challenge their bullying tactics. But one of the brothers died and the, older bro- the other brother went to see the local pastor to make arrangements for his funeral. And knowing full well his brother's character, he tried to bribe the young pastor to pay tribute to his deceased brother. He told the young preacher that he would make a sizable donation to a struggling building fund if his brother was portrayed as a saint. Nothing speaks more than money, I guess, but the church was packed for the funeral and not because the man was so popular, but because the people in the town wanted to hear what the pastor would say about the guy. And when the pastor stepped to the pulpit, he took a a deep breath, and he paused for a moment. He looked over at the brother, and he glanced down at the coffin, and finally he began. He said, this man was a liar, a cheat, an adulterer, and a bully. He stole from hardworking people. He cheated people out of their land. He threatened people weaker than himself. And then he paused again, took a deep breath, and he said, but compared to his brother, he was a saint. (laughs) Death is a part of life. According to statistics, one out of one of us dies. And the beginning of life excites us. I mean, there's nothing more exciting than the birth of a child. A death, a death date humbles us, concerns us, and even hurts us. Nobody chooses their birth date. You know that. You didn't have a choice in that. And we have little or no control over the date we die. But we do have control over what happens Between the hospital room And the funeral home We have a choice We have a choice and control over what happens Between those two dates You may or may not know But uh, my, uh, last week my dear mom Passed uh, from this life Into the loving arms of Jesus Amen. And I want to thank you For your prayers and your texts And your calls Your Facebook posts And for those who were able to attend her celebration of life, I really appreciated it. It meant more to me than I can adequately express in words to you. But as I was with my mom last week, or the week before, I promised my mom on Thursday evening I had to go home. and But I told her I'd be back, and I told her uh, Thursday prior to uh, her passing on Monday that I would not let her die alone in the middle of the night. She always had that fear that she'd be alone and I promised that I would be there through the night. Uh, so for three nights I sat by her bedside and uh, I held her hand and I prayed for her. I read her scripture, read her favorite scriptures I read them from her Bible and I play, I played I emphasized played I didn't sing. I played her favorite hymns because I fear if I would have sung those hymns she'd come back to uh, get me for that but I played her favorite hymns and I slept moments off and on. It was a really, really special time for me, a time that I'm glad that I was able to have with my mom. As my family gathered by her bedside last Monday, we each in our own way were were waiting for her to die. And as her pastor, her care pastor, uh, at the church in Harrisonburg, Roger Dubb, who did an incredible job caring for not only my dad and and my brothers and but for my family as well, he held her hand. As, as he held her hand, we had a little chair set up beside of her, and we would all sit and we'd hold her hand and talk to her. And as he held her hand, and as we were talking, she slipped away peacefully into the waiting arms of Jesus. The next day, as uh, we went to uh, the funeral home, my mom had everything planned. She had a, her pallbearers. I mean, everything was prepared and, uh, because all my mom wanted was a private burial, and she had everything, songs, everything already picked, and she wanted me to do the funeral. Now, I've done lots and lots and lots of funerals in my life, but I've never done my mom's funeral. That was totally different. But, and I, so I was at the funeral home the next day. We got all that taken care of. And I'd been gone home from home four nights. And I said to my dad, I got to go home. I said, I just got to go home. I'm tired. I just need to, you know, take a shower, go to the bathroom in my own bathroom. You know how that is. No place like home to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and, <laughs> y'all didn't need to hear that, did you? <laughs> but, so I, he said, buddy, I don't think you should go home he said, you're totally worn out. He said, I think you should stay another night. And I said, Dad, I'm fine. He said, well, be careful on your way home and watch out for the deer. And I said, I will. I'm fine. I'm fine. And about four miles from his home, I totaled my car. And I got pictures of it up there. And, you know, it doesn't look that bad. But I'm telling you, the inside was completely shattered. Uh, all I remember is uh, I've never been in a crash. And I've never heard a noise like that in my whole life. And the airbags came from every direction, and all I remember is darkness, airbags, and the smell of airbags. But I praise God I wasn't hurt, and no one else was hurt, and I thank God that there was nobody in that passenger seat. The old And I was hit by a 1997 Dodge Dakota. It looked like a tank. It bent his bumper and knocked down his headlight, you know what I mean? <laughs> but you might be wondering what all this has to do with today's message. Well, on Thursday, we, as I said, we had a private burial for my mom, and as Gay and Jason and I were walking back to her gravesite, Jason wanted to take a picture. My mom and my dad were kind of proud of their gravesite. I mean, when people came to see them, family came to see them. They took them out to their gravesite. <laughs> I never went. I said, I don't want to see your gravesite until I need to see your gravesite. But they took the grandkids out, and and they would talk. Look, we can see the peak. You know the Matterhorn and Peak, and I'm thinking, you know, when they tell me that, I say that's good. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I just didn't want to see that. And uh, but anyway, uh, as we were walking back, Jason wanted to take a picture of my mom's grave site, and, and uh, we saw the name as we were walking through the all these names, all these headstones, and and uh, we was walking by, and we looked down, and there was the name of some friends on a headstone. And uh, Gay said, look at that. That, And then she said, the day they were born is already on the headstone, and the date of their death is blank. And they, like my parents, had bought their grave plot and their headstone uh, well in advance. And uh, I think that's the greatest gift you can give your kids is to have all that planned. Uh, But Jason spoke up and said, it's the same way on grandma's. He called her grandma. He said, Jason, he said, it's the same way on grandma's uh, headstone. And then he said something that was profound that I'm sure he didn't think was profound at the time, but he said, they're just waiting for the date when they die to engrave the the death date on their headstone. He said, they're just waiting for the date. And that conversation inspired this message, waiting for the date. Not waiting, but he said waiting for the date. And uh, that's the way we say it in but he's from Illinois, but... (laughs) Anyway, I guess we've worn off on him. But you know, when you think about it, I, I really believe subconsciously a lot of people, and maybe some of us, live our lives just waiting for the date. James spoke to me about that, uh, about that, uh, how people are just waiting for the date. He said to us, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are missed that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. So James is talking to us about the the shortness of life, how life is so short. And The phrase that that appears for a little while is represented by the dates of one's birth and one's death. That's that waiting period that we're all in, whether we want to think about that, and maybe it's kind of morbid to think about that for you, but we're all in that waiting period. We're all waiting to go uh, to that place uh, that uh, we'll be buried and our soul will go to the place that uh, we all have made our plans for. But think about it. When people view your headstones, what stories are they going to tell about you between your birth date and your death date? What what will people uh, say, tell you, Uh, Tell about you when you reflect when they reflect on the time you spent in your waiting date Well Will it be said of you that you were a great business leader? That that you made lots of cash that you graduated from a certain college with several degrees and you got uh, Letters in front of your name, maybe letters after your name and that you had a nice home and fancy cars Or whatever, or will they say your life made a positive impact on the lives of others? Until our last date is etched in stone during the time we're waiting for our date is what will determine what people will say about us. Everything we do in this life in the waiting time between our birth and our death will be what people remember about our lives. So, I guess the question becomes, what are you, what are we doing with the waiting time? What are we doing with our life during this waiting waiting time between our birth date and our death date? So, how are you presently using your waiting time? Do you live like most people in this community live in a bad rush to pack as much as possible into your waiting time? I mean, are you you, uh, just dashing around to live, hurriedly pursuing things that don't matter and things that won't last and things that someone else will one day own? Or are you impacting what will happen in the lives of others in this generation and in the generations to come? Psalms 90.12 says, Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You see, God has called us to live fully, to live our lives fully with the knowledge that our days are limited so that we will recognize the value of this very moment, of this moment, and of the moment right now. I wonder if God made life so short, I wonder if if God made life so short that it would matter more. Our time is as limited as as it is in the hands of the sovereign god of creation. He does though give us a choice. We have a choice in our waiting time. We have a choice about how we will use the time we are given. What we will do with our lives really matters. It's important to know that God did not breathe life into our bodies. God did not knit us together in our mother's womb so that you and I would run through life living only for ourselves. God made you and I for a purpose. He made us for a purpose. God doesn't just create things for the fun of it. He created dogs to be dogs. He created cows to be cows. He created the sun to shine and He created the wind to blow and He created you to be you and He created me to be me. He created each of us individually and He created us with a purpose. Psalms 139.16 from the Living Bible says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit them together in my mother's womb. Your workmanship is marvelous. You were there while I was being formed. You saw me before I was born. And you scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. I mean, I'm talking about in the foundations of the earth, God knew all about your life is what the Bible says. As he was knitting you together and you and I together fearfully and wonderfully in our mother's womb, he knit us together in our mother's womb because he had a purpose for our lives. He had a purpose for what we were created to do. The Bible says God prescribed our birth. We are custom designed by God himself. We are not an accident. Regardless of the circumstances of your birth, you are not an accident. I'm saying to you today, your parents may not have planned for you, but God planned for you. He planned for you before you were ever born. And we were put on earth for a purpose, to make a contribution in this world. And I would say to you, my friends today... That if you don't know that purpose, if you don't realize today that you have more purpose in your life than what you're doing with your life at this current moment in your life, if you're working yourself silly, I want to tell you today that God has a greater purpose for you than just running up and down Interstate 95, wearing yourself out to earn a few bucks so that you can buy a few things so that when you die, somebody else can have them. God has a purpose for our lives. God has a purpose for your life. And I would not spend another day, I would not spend another day without reflecting on why God took such care to knit you together in your mother's womb. Why did he plan your life before the foundations of the earth? What did he have in store for you and discover that and live that out in your life? There are things God wants you to do. There are things he wants me to do. I know I'm, that gay and I are stepping away from here, but I can tell you, God still has purpose for my life. And no matter how young you are or how old you are, God has purpose for your life, and He wants us to fulfill that purpose. There is a life to live. For there is a life He wants us to live, while we're in the waiting for the date time. Ephesians two ten says, "For we are God's masterpiece." He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpieces. You know, I don't know what you think of yourself when you look in the mirror. I don't know what you feel about yourself on a daily basis, but I can tell you when God looks at you, He sees a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. When God created you, He created a masterpiece. But I think somebody needed to hear that today. What are you? Everyone say it with me. Look at the person next to you and tell them that. A little more convincing than you just told me. <laughs> Matt, you're a masterpiece. You don't have anybody beside of you, so I'll tell you. <laughs> Jamie, you're a masterpiece. <laughs> so
2: are you, buddy.
3: Thank you. We are created, not only did he create a masterpiece, he didn't create that masterpiece to hang on the wall or sit on the shelf. God created us to do the good things he planned for us. Not only did God create us, when he created us, he created us with a plan. Outside of uh, of our purposes to glorify God, God has a specific purpose for our life and that purpose is not to set on the shelf. It is to do, as a masterpiece, it is to do the good things that he has planned for me and for you to do. God created us to do what? Everyone say it with me. Created? God created me to do the good things he planned for me. So let's say it together. I'm a mess today, but we're going to get through this. I was created, let's say that, I was created to do the good things that he planned for me. Okay, you're a masterpiece and God has good things planned for you. Look at 1 Corinthians 6.20, it says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your body. So what does that mean? It means that Uh, Honor God with your body It means that for those who are in Christ Those who have accepted Jesus Christ Those who would say today I'm a follower of Jesus Christ What that means is that your waiting time is no longer your time It's God's time That he created you to live out the purpose that he has for your life So I guess the question today is What are you doing while you're waiting on your date? What are you doing with the life that God has given you? What are you doing with the life that Christ died for you? I think if some of us would really reflect on our life and think about what we're doing with our life today, would, we, would it be worthy of Christ's death? Are you living it for him or are you living it in the fast lane just for you? I, I, have, a, I have a video I want you to see in just a moment. Is Nick Foles. Nick Foles last year played for the... <clears throat> eagles and they were super bowl champions now that's hard to say you know what i found if you're a redskin fan you got to find other teams to hate on (laughs) but he was traded or he was a free agent so he went to the jacksonville jaguars and he tells a, a testimony of that and i'd like for you to see that
2: Though, week after week, not playing, you're a football player,
3: you're watching this young kid go out, this minchumanias, is going crazy. I know you're a man of faith, and I know you're
2: trying, but you're also human. I mean, ever any doubts coming up in your mind? Did you go through that? Or?
4: No, that's where, you know, right when, this, right when I felt this thing break and I was going into the locker room, I just realized, you know, I just realized God, this wasn't exactly what I was thinking when I came to Jacksonville. Obviously, you come here and you want to create a culture and impact people. But at the end of the day, as I got, this is the journey you want me to go on. I'm going to glorify you in every action um good or bad and you know i still could have joy in an injury um and that that's people hear that and say that's crazy but it's like when you believe in jesus and you you go out there and you play and that's that changes your heart and you only understand it when you know that purpose in your life just like when i hoisted the lombardi trophy the reason i'm smiling is my faith was in christ in that moment i realized i didn't need that trophy to define who i was because it was already in christ and that's my message when i play same thing happens when i get injured we tend to make this so much about us as human beings. We tend to make it about us as athletes. It's not about us. It really isn't. And if you make it about yourself, you're probably going to go home at night, lay your head on your pillow, and be very alone and very sad. And then hopefully someday you can find that purpose in your life. Because my purpose isn't football. It's impacting people. And I, my, my ministry happens to be the locker room. And I've been able still to get to know people, get to know these guys through an injury. Though I might not be playing, that is difficult from a fleshly perspective, but from the spiritual perspective, from my heart, I've been able to grow as a human being to where I feel like I'm at a better situation here as a person than I was before because of the trial I just went under. And I know that's a sermon in itself, but that's how I go through life, and the good Lord's been there to, you know, it's not always about prosperity. I don't believe in the prosperity gospel, I believe if you read the Word of God and you understand it, there's trials along the way, but they equip your heart to be who you are. So. Um, When I step on the field, I'm going against a man in Frank Reich who's very similar. He's a guy that I admire more than anything. He's a guy that has impacted my life so much, and he's going to be on the opposing sideline, So um, that's going to be fun.
3: Yes. What a testimony. I just wanted you to hear He said, my purpose in life is to impact people, and my ministry is to people in the locker room. He understood what his purpose was. And it wasn't to make money. Although he'll make lots of it. His purpose was to impact people and to minister in the locker room. His purpose was to glorify God. And I got to tell you, why didn't the Redskins pick him up? (laughs) I'm a Jaguar fan. Uh, They're probably as bad. I don't know. but You know, last week as I stood in the line greeting friends before my mom's celebration service, I got a clear picture of what she did while she was in her waiting for the date time. You know, honestly, before, I, before last week and before I took the time to reflect on my mom's life, I kind of just thought she was just waiting for the date. I mean, you know, I'd go home and she'd be at home. And I, I, I'd be there and I'd go in and she'd be either sitting in her chair in the last year Or she would be up about cleaning or cooking or doing something. And I just kind of thought mom was just living life, waiting for the date. And as I reflected on that this week, how wrong was I? I mean, the number of people who were there that day. There was a line of people that, from farmers to attorneys. There were people that they, her and my dad, ran a little business. And the number of people that spoke to me about the impact that my mom had made on their life. You know, person after person said, your mom did this for me. When I needed this in my life, your mom did this for me. She, when I was down, your mom made me feel like I was this or that. She impacted so many people, young and old. I mean, there were people there that could hardly walk in, and there were people there that were young people that said to me, Your mom made a tremendous impact on my life when I needed it most in my life. You see, beyond that, I I just wanted to share just, you know, I, I just need you to indulge me for a moment because I just want to honor my mom. But what she did with her life that I believe will make an impact from infinity and beyond, she rescued three sons out of a terrible, terrible, abusive situation my mom had the courage to walk out of a relationship where she was being tremendously abused and her children were being abused and she stood up and said, enough is enough. And she took us out of a terrible relationship and she sacrificed so much for us working at two jobs and working in a restaurant and doing cleaning and doing all this stuff that she did so so that we could have a better life. And she met a wonderful man who's been a incredible father to me. Darn, I don't want to do this. I mean, to watch him care for my mom, my mom has all, had Alzheimer's. And to, she, her biggest fear was she'd go to a nursing home. And my dad said to her, I remember the day hospice came in, she thought that they were getting her ready to go to a nursing home. And I can remember my dad saying, baby doll, you will never go to a nursing home as long as I can do it. And I'm telling you, he gave himself tremendously for her, and I've got to tell, I've told him that, and my sister. But my mom supported gay Jody and I in our early days of our marriage when we struggled financially, when we'd opened the cabinet and we had peanut butter. My mom would, she was a gardener and she was always canning and she worked me to death as a kid. I couldn't wait to get out of the house. <laughs> Man. And she'd say, "What well, was good for you. <laughs> said, Springing beans and picking beans at 6 o'clock in the morning isn't good for nobody. <laughs> but she took care of us then. And when we were called to ministry, she supported us in so many ways. I mean, I'll never forget when I called her in my office at Harrisonburg when I was the youth pastor there and told her I was going to, be moving away from home and moving to Woodbridge, you thought I just did the worst thing in the whole world. But she bucked up and she supported us in so many ways. Now, uh, my dad was there too, but he had never thought to do the things that she did. But her and my dad uh, hauled sound equipment and lighting equipment and the stage and all kinds of stuff when Gay was a youth pastor leading our youth group uh, she had a choir that traveled all over the United States and everywhere we went, there's that little brown pickup. And there'd be my mom and my dad. And my dad got saved in Ohio in one of those deals. She's financially supported Gay and I and our family in the early days of ministry when we could hardly make ends meet. I can remember when we were here in Fredericksburg and and uh, we were just getting by and our TV blew up. And here come my dad and mom on a Sunday morning Carrying a TV in for us, that's the day when it took men to carry TVs. <laughs> and I said, well, Dad, do you mind loading it? <laughs> but anything we needed, uh, they always made sure we had it. And Mom would always slip a few dollars in her hand and knew that uh, she was always there to help us make ends meet she cooked meals for our youth retreats for several years. We'd have these big youth retreats when we were youth pastors and we'd have 80 to 100 kids show up and my mom and another lady, Shelby Sly, they would get together and they'd plan the menu for three meals a day uh, and they would fix that that food for us and we would have our retreat and kids would get saved. And it was because my mom and Shelby worked so hard uh, to make that retreat. I'd bring friends to my house that she didn't know. She loved those friends just like they were her friends. She cooked breakfast for us. And I mean, she just, uh, anyway, uh, she supported our youth mission trips. We used to do these crazy mission trips and, and uh, we made homemade Easter eggs. And I can remember we would make those Easter eggs and from sunup to sundown, my mom would be there making Easter eggs. We, uh, we had to get that sugar, and I don't know what you put in all that mess, and they'd mix it all up, and then the teens would roll it. And I don't know how anybody ate it if they'd been there watching the teens roll it. <laughs> <laughs> but they did. And, I mean, we raised money uh, in Harrisonburg. I remember in Woodbridge we sold $30,000 worth of Easter eggs, and she was there every day helping us make those Easter eggs. So that we could take kids on trips to Florida and Mexico and other places. She gave faithfully. I mean faithfully in every capital campaign here at Salem Fields Community Church. From forward to by faith. My dad's old pickup still has that bumper sticker on the back It says forward by faith on it. And she gave in every one all the way up until rebuild. She always made her commitment uh, to that. I remember vividly her desperately uh, when Alzheimer's was really starting to uh, get in a whole different gear, uh, wanting to write her last Tide check and her last rebuild check to Salem Fields Community Church. And she was so frustrated. And she, was, she had her checkbook and she kept saying, Buddy, how much is it? How much do I write it for? And, da, 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 and I just said, Well, mom, write it for $10,000. <laughs> and, you know, anyway. She gave that last check, and I'll never forget it. I wish I had a copy of that last check. She could hardly write, but she wrote her tithe check, and she wrote a rebuild check. And down at the bottom, it said, tithe and rebuild. You know, she gave every Thanksgiving offering that we had at Salem Fields. My mom always sent the check. She sent it to me, and I'd open it up, and there'd be a check, Thanksgiving offering. This will be the first year that I've been in ministry I won't get a check from my mom for our Thanksgiving offering. Now, I'm not saying my mom was perfect. She was far from perfect. But she lived a simple life, a very simple life. And she lived a life that now I know impacted so many people. And as I reflect on that, I think every person in Kieseltown, that's not a whole lot of people, but I believe every person in Kieseltown came to her funeral. And she impacted people in her community, in her church in Harrisonburg, in Woodbridge, and here in our community. They came as much as they could when they were able to do that. And she impacted people around the world. Now, I find comfort and a bit of joy today from the fact that mom lived her life in a way that impacted people today and in the next generation. There will be kids that got saved in that youth group, at those things that we did that their children will get saved and their children will get saved and their children will get saved and my mom had an impact in all that. People not yet born will be impacted by my mom's simple life and that's our theme to infinity and beyond. Next week, you will have the opportunity to impact lives today and, and throughout generations to come and take light into some very dark places in our world. You know, my mom took light into some very dark places that you know what? She had no idea that when she was doing all that the impact she was making. I wish today I have very few regrets because my mom knew I loved her and she loved me, and we spent much, much time together over the last six or eight months, and and even before. I wish that sometime in there I would have said, Mom, do you know all that you did? I wish I would have recognized it to be able to say, do you realize the number of people that have been impacted by your service and by your giving and by your love? And she took some light into some very dark places in our world. And we have that opportunity next week with our Thanksgiving
2: offering. Watch this.
0: Dad, tell me about the stars.
2: Well... Did you know that the light from the stars we see tonight took years to get to us? A light passing through time to cut through the darkness and fill our current sky with the brightness. Take Polaris for instance, the North star takes 600 years for its light to get to us. And that's the opportunity that we have every day to bring light into darkness. That's what Jesus did. And as we love and serve him, we get to carry his light with us. And every time we love others, give to others or serve them, we are showing them just who Jesus is. We may not ever see the light that we bring and the difference it makes, but just like the stars, one day, maybe even hundreds of years and generations later, the light that we gave will burst forth into someone's darkness. Maybe it's someone in a village in India discovering the love of Jesus. Maybe it's a child in Nigeria getting to go to school. Maybe it's just someone right down the street that learns how much they matter to God. Whether it's this year or thousands of years down the road, what we sow today, the light that we give, our choices, our efforts, our love, our generosity, will last, impacting souls and transforming generations from this lifetime into eternity, to infinity and beyond. I wanna give light just like the stars to show people Jesus, Dad. Me too, sweetheart. Me
3: too. So in your program today, you have this little card, and I don't want you to fill it out today unless you want to fill it out today, but what I'm asking you to do is, would you just take this card this week and put it somewhere, and when you pray, well, you just pray and say, God, how do, you want, how do you want me to impact the world through this Thanksgiving offering? God, how much do you want me to give in this and give by faith? And you'll have it till January or December 31st. We'd like to have it in by then. Uh, but if you need longer, that'll be fine as well. But would you just pray and uh, and ask God, God, what do you want me to give? And uh, be obedient to that. And I believe we all do our part what God wants us to do. We'll reach our $60,000 goal, goal and far exceed that. We raised about almost 70000 last year. And so... If you would make a commitment to do that, that'd be awesome. Because one day, maybe your son or maybe your daughter will stand and say, you know what, my mom, my dad gave in the Thanksgiving offering every year. And there's some of you that have, and we appreciate that. And every year, and they took light into a dark world. You know, I'm more honored to say that about my mom than just about anything. She hated me going to Nigeria. She would worry. Oh gosh, she'd worry from the time I got on the plane to the time I got off the plane. She sat there waiting on that phone call when I get home. And I told her I told her many times, Mom, if you'd worry, if you'd pray as much as you worry, I wouldn't have a bit of problem in Nigeria. (laughs) I remember one time that I was going and I didn't tell her, and I called her from Nigeria just like I was at home. And I got home, she said, what have you been doing? I said, well, I just got off the plane from Nigeria. I thought she was going to kill me through the phone. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for letting me share those memories. This week, I read of a man who stood to speak. Oh, matter of fact, I want you to pray for James and Charity. James and Charity were here in November, or phew, it's November now. They were here in July. They went to, uh, to gosh Houston to be with his sister, for a couple months. He was diagnosed with cancer while he was there, and he's had surgery. Uh, He's not gotten the best of care because he's not a citizen, so there's no um, medical care for him, and so some people here uh, came to uh, his help, and we raised, helped him raise $45,000 so that he could have the surgery, and uh, now he has blood clots in his lungs, and the hospitals are refusing to... Uh, Treat him uh, Because he has no medical insurance So if you could He asked me if I'd have the church To pray for him So I'm asking you If you will join us In praying for James and Charity His visa runs out in a couple days And he can't travel And So he's in the midst of trying to Get his visa extended And he needs prayer So you would pray for him This week I read about a man Who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend And he referred to the dates On the lady's tombstone uh, from the beginning to the end he noted first uh, came her date of birth but he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years in other words the wait the time waiting the waiting time for that dash represents all the time that she spent alive on earth and now he said only those who loved her know what little what that little line is worth for it matters not how much we own the cars the house the cash what matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash, our waiting time. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel. And he said, and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives. Like we've never loved before, if we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, will you be proud of the things they say about you and how you spent your time as you were waiting on your date, I'm going to close in prayer for us in just a moment and I want to close in a prayer from Psalms chapter 39 verses 4 through 8 and I want to pray that for us but first of all could we just bow our heads this morning and could we just uh, join together in prayer and maybe you're here today and you've never made peace with God you've never taken the moment to uh, do that I want you to give you that opportunity today if you don't know Jesus Christ and He's never, you've never uh, asked Him and confessed your sins and invited him into your heart to be your Savior, or maybe you have and you've walked away from that relationship and you want to come back. Well, you just all you need to do is just acknowledge Jesus Christ. Acknowledge him. Confess that you're a sinner. Ask him to forgive you of your sins, and then Invite Him into your life to be your Savior. And you can do that right there in your chair as we close out together. You can do that as we worship out together. But if you pray that prayer today, I'd invite you to stop at the little table that says Accepted Christ and stop there on your way out. But maybe you're here, and as I pray this prayer, maybe you've had taken a moment to reflect your life just a moment. And maybe you realize that, you know, you're living your life in the fast lane, really. You know, going from one thing to the other hurriedly and really when you reflect on your life maybe you've already realized today that you're not making an impact or maybe you're not making the kind of impact that you could maybe you've never discovered your purpose and maybe you're not living your life to serve God and serve others and glorify him by living out your purpose And maybe you'd like to acknowledge that to God today with all of our heads bowed and even if you're worshiping online. uh, And you'd like to acknowledge to God today that you want to do better in impacting our world and glorifying him and living out your purpose during your waiting time. I just want to, when I pray this prayer, I want to pray specifically. For those who right now, with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, would just raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. Would you do that? Anybody say, yep, I want to do that. Yes, I see your hands. Yes. Yes, see your hands. God sees your hand. Anyone else? Put them up and put them right back down. Yes, I see your hand. God bless you. Yes. Your hand. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. Anybody? Okay. Let's pray. Remember, this is from Psalms. Lord, remind us how brief our time on earth will be. Lord, remind us that our days are numbered, how fleeting our life is. Lord, you have made our lives no longer than the width of our hand. Our entire lifetime is just a moment to you at best. Each of us is but a breath. Lord, we are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends and nothing. Lord, we heap upon Lord, we heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. And so Lord, where do we put our hope? Lord, our only hope is in you. Lord, rescue us from our rebellion and do not let fools mock us. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand and worship together.
1: a reason.
2: love and your faithfulness that you have a plan and a purpose for each and every single one of us father help us to walk in that as we go lord we love you and we praise you in jesus name amen